I feel like having honest conversation with people and yeah. reminding them about the good in them, it's just the best job in the world. Today, I feel accomplished because I learned yeah. new things from you. And I also got validated that my work really matters, that education still yeah. needs to be out there, that there are still people that maybe like, I know probably I educated you about being equal and having equal rights. Try this bad boy emphasize. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Well, we're live here on the decision table, so thanks, Isabel, for being here and for just coming and having a conversation. That's what we're about here. We're about two humans having a conversation and hopefully using insights around I like to use different lenses each month. So just to give you an example, the first month we use the lens of something that I'm writing a white paper around, and that is the need for a new approach to leadership. I really do think that there's a few things happening across the globe right now that would really help us to start thinking maybe we need to do leadership in a different way. Maybe there's some things we could change as humans that could be beneficial, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, to, you know, the human race and, and to where we're going right now. And then on this month, I really want to bring the lens of looking through what I believe is the, there's three white papers, and this is the second one, which is around the importance of the muscle of human intelligence. And what I mean by that is that as humans, we have amazing data within us, whether it's through our brain, whether it's what we're learning, whether it's our environment, whatever it is, there's, there's amazing data that we have. And what if we could use that and use it to actually add value to where we need to go as a society? And you know, leave behind maybe even footprints that are really good for the next generations to come. I mean, yep. it would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? And then the next month is actually around seeing humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And I say this because I feel like our conversation today is the mixture of all that makes me really excited because this uh, I don't know, like, I don't even know where to start on that. But what does it bring up in you when you hear all those three things? Well, first of all, I would like to acknowledge you for the work you do. Unfortunately, there is not a lot of people right now currently with everything that shifted in the world, we had to shift our habits, we had yeah. to shift our reality and the way we do not only business, but the way we communicate with one another. So I think you doing that in like starting with the shows first talking about leadership and how that shifted and now talking about like being right now at the crossroads for like the bridge between humanity because eventually we had to go back out there in the world yeah. and what have we done you know in the past few months it really is gonna set us for the next couple of months in the year by the end of the year and probably like the year after that so i that will be like my first thought on what you just said and I really want to commend you 
for doing a great work on, in that regard. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So if we think of this and we think of, you know, just pulling it, let's go straight in. Across the global landscape, we can see through economic, we can see through social, we can see through environmental, there are challenges that are facing us as a globe, not just as individuals, but as a globe. So in the global space, how do you see or what do you see in lots of ways? If you think of the racial tension, you think of gender inequality, you think of all these ripe conversations, inclusion in the culture, there's a lot of space that you could almost say that the gap is widening right now. How do you see us narrowing that gap? That's an interesting question and definitely stands for a lot of conversation. But to give you my expertise in that field. So for your audience here to kind of like get to know more about me, I am the founder of an organization called the U.S. Institute of Diplomacy and Human Rights. Basically, my entire life over the past decade or so, I've been a human rights law specialist. So that's what I specialize mm -hmm. in teaching other people about their rights in general. So the thing that I found very interesting through my studies, through my career, through interacting with people, not only in the United States, but also in Europe, in the African continent mm -hmm. and so forth. I work globally, like our organization is global, is the common denominator of all these problems that you mentioned, gender inequalities and bringing the gap on the social inclusion and like criminal justice and all these, you know, problems that we are facing in my country, in your country and everywhere around the world, they have one problem and that is the lack of education about human rights in mm. general. So there is a lot of misconception and confusion on what are human rights when the universal and that's what i found and that's what i teach my students you know i teach a human rights class every month and i basically certify the next generations of human rights consultants that they wow. will go out there in the field and teach others human rights so by just looking at the universal declaration of human rights which was the core document that started even started to talk about the concept of human rights up until that point mm. we didn't even have them named human rights they were the rights of men and other rights but not human rights yes so a lot of people just go directly into the declaration and the text of the declaration and the articles and you know don't discriminate and we are all born free and equal but the preamble of the declaration, meaning, you know, the statement of the reason why that declaration was adopted, the whole purpose was not necessarily to have human rights respected. Mm -hmm. It was to teach other people the respect for human rights. Wow. So what I find that it's not necessarily a problem in our society, it's just a misunderstanding yeah. is that human rights when somebody is teaching you your human rights, doesn't mean that it's teaching you that you have rights. It's just teaching you the principle of respect for other people's rights. Because as a Latin saying used to say, it was just like your right ends where the right of others begin. That's what the declaration does basically. And the dream when the drafters adopted was to have it on mm -hmm. every school on earth. So basically, talking about leadership and kind of like bringing up to you know your next topic on humanity 
I truly believe that it's the new generation of leaders would be taught in school. And I'm talking here not about going to a master's degree in human rights in the 21st century. I had to go to a master's degree and I have two actually to know my human rights. And that's not uh... fair. That's outrageous. So every kid on earth, including like primary school age children should basically learn about. And I know Australia, it's a very good example because they do have a law in that sense. And I really hope that it's taken as a model. Of course, any model can be improved, but it's mm-hmm. at least taken as a model and be taught in every school on earth. Here it's optional. And in the majority of countries in the world, it's optional. So that's why when people like those kids that they didn't have the knowledge necessary, they end up being leaders, leading our countries, doing legislation these people are not bad necessarily no they don't have the knowledge you know they want to do like even look at the pandemic what happened our leaders and everywhere around the globe Mm. they thought it's one problem like a health problem a health issue you know the pandemic but then when they were trying to fix that they hit the wall they hit other problems like for example the human rights of people with covid or the Mm. human rights of people who don't have covid because you know they were like they were so if you don't see you don't get the knowledge like the basic human rights knowledge in that regard you can actually be a great leader because it doesn't allow your human intelligence to go beyond that margin of understanding all angles and why is it important. So that's why we have so much confusion with, I'm sure you are aware with all the like the protests happening and everything. Mm -hmm. And there is a distinct line between being an advocate and an activist. And that's what I teach a lot of my students. It's not a bad thing to be an activist, but to be an advocate is being meaning going beyond that. It's not yeah. like because if you just go on the street and you say, maybe aware of all those campaigns, stand up for your rights. Mm-hmm. But how can you stand up for your rights if you don't know what your rights are? If you only think honestly, like if you just go in the United States, for example, on the street and ask people, okay. What human rights do you think you have? They'll, the majority of people, you'll be shocked. The majority will tell you, I have the right to vote. I have the yeah. right to an attorney. They will tell all this, which is true. You do have a right, you know, to remain silent, mm. like call Miranda yes. rights. But that's a procedural right. It's not a human right. Then again, you have this differences between civil rights and human rights. Nobody's teaching us in school how to make yeah. that difference. And all of that. So that's what I feel like we are missing in terms of leadership to going into adding more that of human intelligence and being able to bring down that gap. And I'm not just going to say that's going to happen overnight. It might take me a few generations of students that I need to teach. <laughs> I was hoping you had that magic pill, you know, that everyone wants. They just go, give it to me. And I think this is part of the problem, though, isn't it? It's not an overnight thing. This is yeah. systemic things that have been put in place for many generations that we are now saying, well, maybe these are not working maybe this is not the best way to do it but I think there's still this major gap and I love the fact that we get to talk about the three combination I don't often get to talk about all three at once but it's so important that here we want to have a new approach to leadership 
That means there's going to be change. That means maybe we are going to take some things on with us. But for me, the new approach, one of the things is bringing new lenses. And instead of saying, this is how you're meant to do it, this is what it's got to look like, we go, what if we use lenses, have a conversation, create awareness around it, and then figure out what ownership we're going to take of that and then bring change, right? So that's the new approach. Then we've got the human intelligence. What if humans could think for themselves, knew they had rights as humans to have a voice at the table, be able to advocate their needs, their wants, their beliefs, their values, and then we combine that to going, what if we go back to, instead of it being individual conversations about race, gender, and all the other conversations that are all absolutely important, don't get me wrong, but first, let's bring back humans as humanity, as stakeholders, first at the table. In other words, we see each other as humans first. We're working towards, as humans, trying to shift from problem to solution, as humans, and then we as humans bring our distinctions. So I don't talk about it as diversity, but distinctions that you bring, I bring to the table, we need that at the table because that will help us use the filters that we need when we're looking through different lenses. What if we did that? That gap is just getting wider and wider because people don't want to change. That would be the new approach. I don't think for myself because the world actually trains me not to think for myself. In fact, you know, that's part of that issue around the vaccine and everything else around there. Like, why am I having to do that? What does that actually have to look like? And then the third piece, you know, humans. Well, we are trying as isolated things, tribes, communities, and even within that, becoming and bringing lots of, well, division in there, right? So how do we narrow? It sounds so good in theory. Yes, we educate, but here's the thing. What if what if education is just so far from even, I don't even know that it's a problem. I don't even see it as a problem. I don't even, you know what I mean? Like then you're saying let's get educated and it's so important. Like that's hugely what I do around as well. But there's a massive gap between those that are getting this piece and those that maybe are just starting looking in at this. How do we bridge that? Okay, you touched two important points and actually like explaining those points will help Mm -hmm. me answer your question because Uh, it's not like I'm the smartest person in the world. I'm just- Oh, no, I'm I'm just a human. (laughs) Yeah, in the end, I'm just a human, but I also can talk about from my experience, not only from like the knowledge, but actual Mm -hmm. practical experience by doing this for so many years. So the first thing I want to touch is about I was one of the people who are on the other side of the line, literature calls them naming and shaming campaign. So here's what a lot of human rights organizations out there are doing. They're conducting naming and shaming campaigns, saying basically pointing fingers, this country you do wrong, this country you do human rights violations, this government you are doing a terrible job and like just pointing fingers. I was on that side of the road, okay? My background education is in the legal field. I work in the, you know, cases, European Court of Human Rights, the Organization of American States. I'm very familiar with that process, okay? Mm. And I've done that a couple of years and going through law school, going through my studies. And then at one point, 
just my mind open up. And I said, listen, I've been doing this wrong my entire life because if we continue to do it as we do it, and a lot of mm. organizations out there are just, you know, throwing out hate, throwing out like what you do wrong and they don't come with the solution. It's so easy nowadays to just yeah. explain the problem and don't come with the solution. And I started searching for that solution. And that's when I found that education is actually the thing that stands for us. It's the foundation of everything. And here I'm not talking only about like going to school, like regular routes. It's just yes. pouring into your self-education about a variety of subjects. But human rights is basically the core for everything else in society, yeah. like for a great business, for a great family, for a great relationship. Human rights is what makes us, which makes me kind of like get into your second point that you reached out where you are talking about those distinctions, you know, diversity yes. distinctions. So going back to the human rights, basically, I have this booklet always, I'm keeping it with me. It's made by a partner organization with ours. It's called Youth for Human Rights. But basically, they made the text of the Universal Declaration in like, just explain it in terms that anyone of any age can learn. Yeah. Okay. So the first is, you know, like, language and legal language is all like, not understandable for everyone and especially they use it to teach kids in school too so the first human rights says we are all born free and equal well my understanding of that is that if we all really applied this principle mm. we wouldn't even have to have this distinctions right yeah. now we yeah. wouldn't have to have a class a protected class that's how it's called in legal terms okay mm -hmm. a protected class meaning for racial discrimination for you know lgbt communities for yeah. black lives matter and for like if we all respect the first principle and there is there is a reason why the drafters put it as the first one the thing that i found again through education and mm. studying is that a lot of people misunderstand the word equal when the declaration says mm. we are all born free and equal if you think about are we all equal you will see i'm always asking my students and half of them will say no half of them will say yes and it's a continuous debate if you ask somebody are we exactly equal and they will tell you yes and no but then there's a difference in between being because yes. yeah, even I, I'm asking that question myself. If I answered that question, what would I say? Well, I think that it's both sides because in some ways where are we, what was the question again? Say that again. So is anyone exactly equal? Is anyone exactly equal? Well, we equally all came with no clothes on. We were born, you know, out of something. And we started with nothing like other than our dna so sure. in that way we're equal but on the other side of it i'd go no we're not equal because we might be born into different environments that give us access to different things so then that makes us less equal sure and even if you look at a physical appearance you know like maybe i'm a woman I'm 5'8", my husband is 6'4". We are not equal, okay? There are differences. But wow, there is yeah. a difference between being equal and mm. having equal rights. Rights. And mm. that's the key mm. that I found that, like, once I wow. teach somebody that, they just open up and realize, hey, 
it's really making sense how education from this like honestly when was the last time have you heard that somebody is using a dictionary in school or even like whatever like well i use it all the time because i'm dyslexic and i can't spell <laughs> i mean you know you're, yeah, you're right it, yes. but i i can tell you that not a lot of people use a dictionary yeah. and it's not only the spelling part of it but it's also you know like the word the 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 in english has over 26 definitions over wow, 26 no the word the it's just unbelievable you know so there are so many things out there for us to go and explore in terms of education and mm -hmm. i always make it sound so cool because it's cool education so i just hope that i made you and your audience to kind of like be inspired that maybe just maybe you know i'm not trying to convince anyone but maybe if we kind of like shift a bit and we feel like you know we are still going to continue to have human rights violations and inequalities and we can even like don't bring that gap down maybe we should kind of like try to change something and i found that mm -hmm. education about human rights for people it just works and just you don't even have to be formal just telling everyone like have a read with your family or go on facebook and give value to people just read a couple of these rights to them or just show them some videos about that and things like you don't have I to find, kind of like I have a that. seminar room you know yeah. to do that i think one of the things that is really important especially when you're talking at a global space and wanting to see big change across the globe often and i and i hear this a lot from community and clients and people who are curious around what the work that i'm doing is i hear what you're saying kira marie i hear it's amazing it's and yes we do need change but it's so big and like so massive across the globe I just think it's, I don't even know where to start. And I think what you're saying there is, hey, let's educate, but we can educate in ways that are so simple for every single one. I don't think that there is an excuse to why we can't be educated around it. And yet, and I do say yet, because there are definitely people who push back on this. Why do you think people are pushing back to want to even start being curious about the change, let alone put change into practice? Yeah, well, here's what I think and why this is happening. Again, like we are looking at the bigger picture and we miss seeing the picture just in front of us. To mm. give you just like a common example maybe in my situation okay when i first arrived into the us i didn't know anyone i had no friends no family around i had to get myself out there and be known so in just one year with my passion and my desire of teaching others in my community i basically starting from teaching my city to getting from like the mayor of the city where i was living at a time to the county legislator the new york state senator Amazing. the new york governor and i mm -hmm. ended up being awarded by the president of the united states mm -hmm. just in like over a bit over a year for all that work but my goal was not to help like get to reach to the president of the united states or my goal was not necessarily to reach everyone like the united states and beyond that like the, on a global scale my goal was Okay, I'm gonna just teach everyone I meet on a daily basis about human rights, for example. <laughs> I love that. And that just happened. Yeah. So that's what I wanna inspire your audience mm -hmm. is just don't look at 
oh my god i want to make global change and i'm just one person like yes. listen, for example at the u.s institute of diplomacy and human rights our goal is to give a chance to study just there are 68 mm -hmm. million children in the world that they don't go to school primary school 68 mm -hmm. million at a cost of only one percent of the military expenditures those kids can go to school but that's not mm -hmm. going to happen and i'm not going to wait for that to happen so i took it on me and my team of volunteers to yes. kind of like teach them one by one and it's my taking a decade and i don't care but what i found is when i started the same as with my personal example is it's not that you don't have to shoot big you do have to but like actually eleanor roosevelt the former president of the yes. united states lady she was the chair when she drafted the declaration and she actually it's a video online where she explains that so teaching human rights should start with your neighbor with your school should start simple like in your surrounded areas close to home so close that it's so mm -hmm. easy to do it and that shouldn't only with human rights happen you know like you right now are offering the opportunity to educate your friends your audience yes. your followers through the comfort of their home and maybe this is a good thing that this pandemic uh, helped us understand yes but to answer to answer specifically to your questions what do we say to the naysayers yeah. i would say you know you may think you're dropping the ocean but all the great leaders, and I see you have uh, some of them like Nelson Mandela there and, you know, that have put change. Those were yeah. humans too. It was one they person. Were. A civil exactly. rights movement started with one person. So why not you be that person? You know, yeah. you may not have all that desire, but you can inspire mm. your son, your grandson, or somebody in your neighborhood to be that leader and then you can just yeah. be a follower you know so it's not really like you have to be there but you can help advocate for peace yeah. and tolerance for others and i don't think it's anything wrong with that and if they still continue to say that you know what i will tell them listen in this world only one percent of the world in this world are purely evil all the other people are good so i prefer looking at all the other people who are good and do i'm so with you on that one <laughs> in the world is like listen you know you'll never succeed yeah. you just you know just go back to and see exactly what you're passionate about because we are all passionate about something in the end it's just we need to kind of like ignite that spark mm. where did that spark come from for you how did you get inspired Wow, that's an interesting question. I don't think I ever actually gave it a good thought mm. about that. I know I'm coming from a family of lawyers, like basically part of my life, I lived it in like a modest family. I was raised by my grandparents in a post-communist country in, in wow. Romania, Eastern Europe. Um, I was born exactly after the communism, but you could still feel it in the air kind of a thing. And then I just knew that if I don't go to school, and it's this thing that grandparents teach you, you know, like you have to go to school to become somebody in your life because you don't have anyone else to, you know, we can't support your entire life. So I went to school and nothing happened after that you know, kind of a thing. It's like you go and you do all the studies, but in school I developed this sense of like analyzing what is happening around me. And I realized that it's not just me in the world that wants to do something good, 
And I said, okay, I'm going to start, you know, going more into that. Because when you go to law school, you just talk about like general law. And that's how I became interested and passionate about specializing in the human rights area. And then it's just such a cool area. Like all these other professions are regulated. Human rights, like there are not so many human rights lawyers or human rights consultants out there. So It's not a regulated industry whatsoever. Everyone can basically call themselves a human rights consultant if they actually know what to do with people. So it's just so amazing to work in, like to be the first in a niche that it's not Mm. developed. And it's so strange that it's not developed because I was saying the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted more than 70 years ago. But I mean... There are so many people in this world that they want to do good, and I'm, I'm just one of them. I just like to create and mm. inspire others to do what I do or believe in what I yeah. do, and at the same time, inspire them to do something that it's for them. They don't necessarily have to follow me, and I like to call myself a good communicator just because I work both in human rights and then my life brought me to diplomacy, where I've been working also as a diplomatic protocol consultant, so I'm very good at understanding different types of cultures, different levels of society in terms of like ranks and so forth. So that helped me also to kind of like guide my message to the right people at the same time. But at the same time, like even if I meet like a stranger on the street, even if you just call right now, some of my students, they will tell you, Isabel is the same on camera as the same as she's on stage. And same (laughs) exactly, because that's the value of human intelligence like being humans all the way in and if you really do something from your heart you don't have any stops and that's what i felt like i'm doing something from my heart nothing can stop me so yeah yeah. i remember one of the moments that was so pivotal for me was i you know i get to work with a lot of extremes so sometimes i'm with a whole lot of global leaders and before the pandemic i was on global stage and they were really smart people i mean they had letters after their names and letters on top of their letters like they were like the top of the top in that way they also were amazing innovators they were amazing like I actually shared the stage with a guy who was the co-founder of the NASA Medical Institute. But Mm -hmm. I remember standing on stage that day and, you know, I had to call it the elephant in the room because I looked very different to every single person that was in that room. And I didn't have all those letters after my name at all. And yet I felt highly qualified to be speaking on that stage. And the reason being was that I stood there and I said, I stand here today as an advocate for the human race and for humanity. And I have to say that was one of the proudest moments I had was knowing that I was being an advocate to be a voice for humanity in the work Mm -hmm. that I was doing and uh, continuing to do. And when I realized that it was beyond my lack, beyond my you know, weaknesses, my lack of whatever it was at that moment. And it was about the fact that if I don't give voice to this, who will? And and I think that that's the powerful thing when when you bring it back to humanity as stakeholders, it brings it back to the thing that is beyond you. It's beyond your own lack and going, but 
like whether it's your immediate family, whether it's kids, whether it's, uh, you know, your nephews, your nieces, whether it's your grandchildren, whether it's we all have loved ones. Maybe it's a friend, a partner, a husband, a wife. We all have someone that we love that is another human being. So we can relate to that piece, that connection piece. And, you know, it's funny because I listen to what you're saying and I go, you know, the question that comes up in my head is, have we forgotten to make humanity priority? And we think that it's the next, you know, bottom dollar. It's the next, I, I don't know, achievement, goal, pro, you know, initiative. And we forget that actually sometimes it's really about what if we prioritized humans? Any thoughts around that? Sure. First, I would just dare to say no. I meet individuals like you actually on a daily basis that confirms or helps me reconfirm that the fact that humanity is not forgotten that we still are humans we just have to make it more obvious to other people we have to start hiding ourselves you know behind like right now with the pandemic and everything what i suggest everyone is just go out there and like it's nothing bad to have a social media profile for example and just you know post pictures of your food or like your lively interactions your family your friends but social media it's also an avenue in my point to actually bring value to the people around you just tell them like when it like just tell them you read something interesting this morning or you listened to a great audiobook or something like that. And that will make us more human. That will make us like, for example, me seeing you all the books out there that I majority of them, I've read them inspires me to do something. I mean, people are good again, like the majority yeah. of people in this world are good. It's just humanity at times experiences some changes, some shifts, some metamorphosis, like, you know, just, I know like, in mathematics they have like the geometrical form so you kind of like see it from different angles and like fractals into fractals you know when we were kids we had those little like binoculars that you look into it and they had this little square that's how life is actually Mm. you just see through the different lenses that you are talking about life is still there humanity is still there you just have to find it in the world and i bet if you are looking for it and people are looking for it they can find it like you find me we never kind of like met together but you know (laughs) so it's like if you are truly true to yourself and you believe in this you actually the universe is going to send you good people. The universe is going to give you humanity. Just give humanity to other people. Give them your value, your thoughts, your anything, you know, and, and you'll get back that 10 times in return. I That's all that. I get it. Yeah. I love the fact that you see humanity and you seeing good humanity. And like you said, it's only that 1%. But like the 99% are just amazing humans. And sometimes it's just, you know, when we see something, it's literally because something else is going on in their life or, you know, something has happened and they've maybe put up some defenses or, um, you know, they're angry because of something else that has got nothing to do with them 
all you as a human. And I think what I love hearing is just your, you keep going back to, but we've got good humans and it's so true. And because of that, we we need to make sure that we are continuing to shift forward as a good human race. I think that that's kind of it. I'd love to have a conversation around the, you started talking about it. That was the activist versus advocate. Talk more about the activist. What do you see an activist being? What do you see the good things about it? And then things that are not going to be so beneficial and then versus more on the advocacy or the advocate side of it. No, that's a great subject to have. And again, going into my idea that a lot of words are again being misconstrued or misinterpreted, Mm -hmm. you know, by the way, to bring good in people, I found what is working is to acknowledge people more, you know, like we are used to say thank you and so forth. But before we tell them like our opinion about, you know, like, oh, you did something wrong. Oh, I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't agree with you or things like that. You should just acknowledge them first and say, I totally understand, you know, or, you know, like, yeah, I mean, just try to see the good in other people Mm -hmm. before you make them wrong. And that's what I found like brings humanity back in good people, makes you much better <laughs> individual and you also feel better about yourself who i did something great and then the conversation pops from there but going to the other question in regards to activism and advocacy one of our research assistants to do a blog which is available on our website and it goes more in depth into it but here's how i view it it's not that an activist it's a bad person or an advocate right. it's a good person it's not mm-hmm. like bad and right okay it's kind of like the difference between being a manager and a leader. Oh, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. An activist, its role is to emphasize the problem, while an advocate's role, as you were mentioning about your interaction when you were at that stage, was to promote a solution for a problem. And as uh, an advocate, Mm. Yeah, as an advocate, what you do, you go beyond mere protest and just going out there in the street, being in their faces. As an truly advocate, you help pass like public policies. You are you advocate, meaning like you promote the solution for that thing. As an activist, you just complain. You just complain about the problem and you don't come with a solution. And I'm not saying that it's bad activists. It's just lately this term started to be so, had like a negative connotation, which she shouldn't because being an activist, it's a good thing. But being an advocate is really going beyond that simple, you know, pointing fingers, how I like to call it. Going beyond that, you know, it's just making sure that like again my example like my comparison with being a manager and being a leader it's a difference maybe anyone can be a manager but it takes a leader to bring up the team around him to make the company prosper Mm -hmm. and flourish it's the same here you can have one activist but if you have one advocate with a team of activists around and other advocates they can make wonders and that's what i I like to call it like and go more into like, I'm an advocate of human rights. This is what I do on a daily basis, rather than just being an activist. You know, I help 
when the Congress was open, I was going almost on a daily basis to help pass human trafficking legislation and uh, things that, you know, go in our country and promote things like that. So that's what you do as an advocate. Plus, you are always there sharing good news. And even when you're sharing bad news, you're like a consultant. You know, you just tell people, here's the bad news, but Mm. here's the solution to it. And this is what we can do about it. Mm. So, yeah, that's how I I see the difference between that. Oh, so much goodness in that. You know, it brings me back to what I think are the fundamentals to leadership, which is awareness, ownership, change and sustainability. I think that, you know, and when you bring activism in, that's kind of the awareness side of it. It's the, hey, let's get this out, talk about it, um, make sure that people know about this. The ownership side of it is more the advocacy. Okay, now that we've, you know, created an awareness around it, what are we going to own from that? What are we going to do with that? And then, of course, the change as well. And then it's got to be a sustainable. I think there's so many. And that particular stage I was on, what was interesting was the conversation I was having was at global decision tables, like at top decision tables, there are so many things being innovative. And at the front line of humanity, and what is being innovated at that space, there's a massive gap between that. And we need to actually segue that and make sure that we've got the right people at the right tables having the conversation. So we are even innovating the right things. So that was that whole conversation around that, right? Nice. And so for me, it was amazing being an advocate for humanity in that space. I think, you know, if you go back to the conversation that you just had then, you brought up an interesting thing, something that I feel absolutely, you know, as a human, like I think it's the ultimate thing that's taken away from you as a right from a human, and that's human trafficking. So creating awareness, there is huge problems across this, and the epidemic or the pandemic has actually created worse than that, and I know you would see that in your work, right, within that sector. If we go then to the ownership piece going, okay, cool, we know there's a problem, we know that it's massive, how can we start shifting something that's so big across the globe? How can I take the next individual or as communities, how can we start shifting that as a huge thing? Well, I'll dare to ask you back that question if you kind of like, envision what it would be my answer but i'm sure you're like in the short time we've been together so far you'll know that my answer is education again and let me explain that before you know like the people are going crazy it's like yeah he's this lady with the education again so listen for example in the human trafficking area just i like to always like provide solutions and give like clear examples so that people understand that i'm not just talking nonsense here exactly human trafficking area There was this police officer in Texas who developed a program, a curriculum, how to spot the signs of human trafficking. That's how he's got underground stuff. Not, but I do know Tim Ballard. Yes. Yeah. That's a very good (laughs) example. He's doing amazing. He's Mm. such a great individual. I had an honor to meet him a couple of years back at the UN summit, but it's not about him. I'm just talking oh, about the law enforcement. Then, but yeah, yeah, a regular law enforcement police officer yeah. in Texas yeah. who developed this program. And mm-hmm. then he started basically implementing this program into his town and into his state. He then 
convinced other states like neighboring states mm -hmm. to adopt this program and their law enforcement and basically what the program was doing it's training police officers on how to spot the signs of human trafficking you yeah. think that they know that already because they've been through academy or whatever they do that but they mm -hmm. didn't you know so he created that program and then that program shortly started to be implemented in like other border states and the human trafficking started to go down like really down That's so incredible. down that mm. some of the legislators were you know dragged or they, they were like put attention onto the fact that this program is really useful and helpful and should mm. be implemented now at a federal level because it has been successful in many states so that's yeah. how i came across about this project for example and there was a law now i'm not sure if it passed or not because every year they try to pass it but yeah. i think it's so important to pass it because basically this law would allow federal mandated system to train all the police officers on how to spot human trafficking and this is a huge deal you know mm -hmm. again educating everyone because sometimes again the basic misconception about human trafficking and i do work with a lot of victims of human trafficking yeah. although this is not my expertise necessarily i put a lot of help into that area okay yeah. because i like to help and i know that there is an actual problem but one thing that i found out is that talking with the victims and talking with other nonprofits is that a lot of people think and Tim Ballard, by the way, he, he believes that we had a conversation about that too. A lot of people believe that to be human trafficked, you have to have, like, it has to happen violently. You know, you have those images from movies where a girl or a boy is grabbed from the yeah. street, put into a car, and then everything's... But like 80% of the human trafficking that happens specifically in the United States it's not that at all it's just they go there with deceived will how i like to call it you know mm -hmm. they actually know where they're going but they think they're going to enter into a better life yes. so there is no yeah. like most of the time initially i'm not saying after that the eventually violence will happen and they get beaten and they get dragged and, all, and so for that but to get into like get dragged into a human trafficking solution to what they're struggling with or yeah. they, they see it as you know this is my hope for a better future yeah exactly so yeah. we need to teach that to more people to understand that first of all as a citizen you have a responsibility to report and there are so many like it's so easy nowadays because there are hotlines and blue campaign line and everything you just send a text and they'll you don't even have to give them information you just tell them basic information you don't even have to get in contact with the perpetrator and it's not recommended you do that you don't yeah. even have to get in contact with the victim like if you see a girl that doesn't look like or a boy doesn't look like it's okay with like another person and you, you can kind of like notice things you just you know send them a text to the blue line and they will take it from there so it's really not much of an involvement but it's just necessary to have a massive campaign i remember a couple of years back when romania entered the european union they were doing this tv ads where they were teaching romanians people 
about the new rights they gain as a European citizen, which mm. was very funny because they were doing like this very entertaining, funny ads. And whenever, like, for example, one person will go into a store, buy a laptop, and then they want to go back to the store to bring it because it's not good. And the store owner would, would refuse that, basically. And the reply for the guy who bought that, you know, broken computer would be, you know who I am. I'm a European citizen and I have rights. <laughs> well, that simple commercial that they were playing all over and all over just stood in my mind. And then whenever I was trying to, like, all of a sudden, everyone in my neighborhood, like even all people, like young people, they started to say this phrase, whatever, like any injustice you create to them, even if it was not, you know, something bad, they will say, you know who I am, I'm a European citizen and I have a right. <laughs> and that for me is like the perfect example yeah. of educating a society at a different level, you know? Let's yeah. just, you know, forget about doing ads that are, you know, just like just put education, play one human rights every day on TV. Do you think more people will understand like we are all born free and equal? Yes. Why not? You know, but we just need more, you know, individuals like me and you to take this torch to take this message to the right ears and the right people to actually do something about it because something can be done about it it just you know we have to start doing it and yeah. i really believe in humanity and in our capacity of changing the world we don't have to wait future generations we can do it now we do yes we can and i think that it's you say that so beautifully and i think it's people like you and i who then join together going okay so with what you know how do we do this it's not an individual thing by that point it's actually a collective and oh my goodness i could talk to you for hours and hours this has been amazing if people want to know more about what you do where's the best spot for them to do that Sure. So they can, of course, search about doing courses and like learning about our humanitarian campaigns, what we do for education at U.S. Institute of Diplomacy and Human Rights. It's just the acronym USIDHR.org. And my name is on the screen, Isabel Vladoyo. I can be found on any social media platform on earth using my real name. So I'm just welcoming any a real name, a real human even. <laughs> I'm welcoming anyone. I'm a social personality, as I like to call myself, even if I don't have as much time as I wanted to answer each and anyone within like mm -hmm. 24 hours. I always get back to people's messages. And I have also an amazing team all over the world, volunteers that help me, you know, stay on the right path. And, you know, so anytime you either reach me directly or my team at U.S. Institute of Diplomacy and Human Rights and yeah we are looking forward to and just like let's just create more human rights consultants yeah. so that they can go out there and deliver like teach others human rights because I realize that I cannot do it by myself so but I can have a fight like last month I had a 504 people went live seven hours training with me to wow. get certified as human rights consultant it was supposed to be four hours but Amazing. we went so long with the q a because a lot of people wanted to you know pick my brain on different uh, ideas and questions but basically that's what i do i teach others so that those people can then go those imagine those 500 people now i taught 500 oh, but oh, then 500 people <laughs> 
They can go in and just spread it to the masses. And that's what I want to do and do as many hundred people every month that I can so that, you know, they can go and inspire others. And that's how we create change from, again, one individual, one organization. Yeah, totally agree. Oh, my goodness. So here's the thing. When we have a conversation, which we've just done today, I also think, like I said, it creates awareness, but then we've got to go, well, what are we owning from this and what change are we going to bring from that? What are you going to take from our conversation today? Well, what I'm taking first and foremost is that it's a validation of the work that I do every day that it still matters. And it just fills my heart that there are individuals like you in the world out there that are still, you know, bringing value to other people, bringing me as a guest and other people as well. But at the same time, it's just, I feel like having honest conversation with people and reminding them about the good in them, it's just the best job in the world. I so appreciate you for doing all that you do here. And I think it's just, I'm speaking from the bottom of my heart, you know, I didn't, yeah, come here, no, we didn't even talk about, you know, any interview questions or anything. <laughs> it's just two humans as you started the conversation yeah. talking about, you know, what we can do about it. And I think that's what people learn to appreciate more every day. And I get to learn everything, every yeah. day, new things. And this today I feel accomplished because I learned yeah. new things from you. And I also got validated that my work really matters that education still needs to be out there that there are still people that maybe like i know probably i educated you about uh being equal and having equal rights so now the next time you see that's that's exactly the one thing that i'm really taking away from our conversation (laughs) is the fact that you said being equal and having equal rights like i thought that was such a I mean, that was a great question to ask. And then how you think about that, I was like, wow, that kind of opens up a whole gamut of, you know, opportunity to really, you know, how do we have equal human rights? What does that need to look like? How can we educate around that more? Like, I really appreciate, you know, you say that that affirming what you do. You are amazing and so inspiring to many across the, I mean, the fact that you, I mean, it shows in your work. You just said 500 people were on that call of wanting to, you know, be human rights consultants. Well, that's because there are good humans out there. You reminded us so much of that today and I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing the work you continue but I'm actually really excited because this new approach to leadership around I think that as leaders we need to continue to evolve and you brought up so beautifully how this was you know we didn't do these interview questions it was so honest it was just a conversation we're learning from one another but that's what leadership I believe is needing to go. We need to evolve. We don't yes. so we don't say we've got all the answers. We but we've been curious. We've asked questions. We've dived deeper into there. We've gone down layers rather than just going, "Oh, that was a nice answer. Let's move to the next question." We actually question the questions. And I think that is part of the learning ground. And I love the fact that you talk all things education. I mean, seriously, that is something that, you know, if we we just move back in time, there's been, you know, and I brought this up at one stage about the systemic side of 
education mm -hmm. and and a lot of things that we're going through but education has been one of those so we've thought that the only way is by telling and it's proven and it's this but i love the fact that you educate by conversation you educate through making what seems big big problems to going hey here's little solutions and here's how we can start having that as everyday humans in our walk whether we are in a classroom whether we're in you know got communities whether organizations whether like every single one of us through our conversation today can see how we can use what we've got in our hand to create you know more human rights you know like to have human rights and to be able to live them and to see that this is a priority for humanity going forward and i think that that's it's just so powerful so thank you you brought what could be so complex to many in a lot of ways you've brought it back to the simple and i've loved the fact that i can talk about three really complex areas in life and we can just have this conversation that really brings it back to okay we don't have to be these intense people that work at the levels that often we get to work at right and have to have these conversations at levels that many of those that want to come on this journey go but I'm not there. I don't even know what to do. It sounds too big. And you brought it back in so many beautiful ways in which we can go, it doesn't matter where we are. Each one of us can watch a video, learn more, be educated more, and then put that into our daily walks of life. So for me, I just so grateful that you have been willing to have this conversation on the decision table and like you i'm so excited that there's and this has been the powerful thing it really has mm -hmm. that each day you know it's different humans that i'm getting to have conversation with awesome humans across the yeah. globe doing amazing things and really what's interesting about it is that we're like and and i started writing many i was nomadic before the world shut down and so i was like known as the nomadic ceo and uh you know traveled the world with my family and i did a lot of work within culture and trying to you know get different lenses so that my work to figure out better insights and then hopefully better solutions right and one of the things that i figured out through that work and i began writing a year and a half before we shut down and that was on this what i saw as an epidemic and that was isolation and so i began writing about how isolation was affecting massively affecting leadership but actually it was affecting humanity and i felt that the solution to that was collaboration in other words when we come together as a collective to and then that's what a lot of this is birthing out of is the fact that okay you're doing amazing things i get to do amazing things every person that has come on this by the way decision table but we're not working so much as a collective to see how we can support each other work it out get it happening and maybe even shift it in a faster way so that we get more of what you're talking about into the schools more of what someone else has said to advocate for something else and so this has been for me, it's just so powerful every day, amazing mm -hmm. people like yourself 
And like you said, so many good human beings. That's true. I'm so absolutely excited. Thank you again for the invitation, Kiri Marie. I'm just grateful for the work you do. I hope like everyone gets to enjoy our conversation tonight. And I like the fact that you're a solution oriented person like me. And it's true, you know, isolation, it's not good for people. We just need to even if we have walls in between us, or we stay at home, we can be out there with our faces with even a smile sometimes helps for our neighbors and for our friends and family around. So just, you know, I'm going to end this broadcast because that's such a beautiful okay. way to end it. So thank you for so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.